Assalamu alaikum and welcome guys to another Muslim Vibe podcast. Today you're here with your boy Inayak Hanji as always and uh, we're also joined by the chief and editor Salim Qasim but especially for today's show uh, we are joined by Hayan Baba because we're talking about Islamophobia and right-wing extremism and I suppose the rise of it in the UK, US and around the world. So uh, Assalamu alaikum boys first and foremost. Wa alaikum salam. Thanks for having me. Oh well, thanks for joining us and uh, yeah I suppose uh, my little intro to you was uh, very uh, understated. So maybe, uh, Hayan, you can tell us, uh, so what exactly do you do in regards to your work and why is it that you are an expert in this field? Why have we called you here, bro? Well, I mean, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but thanks for the compliment. Um, I am the secretary of the all-party parliamentary group on Islamophobia. Um, and in that role, I am now also an independent member of the government's anti-Muslim hatred working group. Um, and I also am a director of a World War One history project um, called the Muslim Experience in World War One. Okay, wow, interesting, interesting. I'm, I'm guessing I want to jump right in. As you know, given the recent events we've seen in the last few weeks, there's been a rise in hate crimes and and attacks against Muslim terrorist attacks as well. Yep. A couple of questions. My first one, from my own perspective, is what's the difference between a hate crime and a terrorist attack? Mm-hmm. Because I I don't get it. I don't know when they declare it a, a hate crime when it's a terrorist attack. What, you know, what, what what do those words mean? And also, what do you specifically do as part of the, the all-party parliamentary group? And I'm going to call it A... Is it APPG? That's correct, yeah. I'm going to call it, for everyone listening at home, APPG going forward, just... Yep. I can't... Yeah. Um, so what what exactly do you do to, to tackle and curb Islamophobia? Okay, so what the APPG does... Um, so it's a cross-party group of MPs and peers... Um, so that means they're from all, uh, different parties and they are MPs and peers who aren't in government. So they're backbenchers. Um, and we come together to explore um, the trends in anti-Muslim hate crime, hatred, um, prejudice, anti-Muslim sentiment across the board. And we look at how we can inform policymakers. Um, so that's civil servants, ministers, uh, departments, the police agencies, etc. on anti-Muslim hate crime and generally sentiment and prejudice. Um, and so we meet regularly, uh, we explore the issues, we facilitate meetings between academics, the policymakers, etc. Um, we often write to ministers uh, highlighting certain issues and trends. We, uh, you know, in the past, uh, APPG members have tabled questions at, at parliamentary question times. Um, so, um, in a nutshell, that's what we do. And do you feel like... Um you're being received uh, openly? Do you feel like they're, um, they're truly listening? Or do you think this is in some ways just a, uh, a means of pacifying um, kind of like, you know, the, uh, the fears and worries of, uh, you know, the Muslim community and those at large? Well, I hope nobody thinks that it's a way of um, pacifying uh, the views because I'm not a, a spokesperson for the government. I'm not a mouthpiece for the government. So um, I am completely independent or, and so is the group. The group is a is a body of an uh, unassociated un- body of uh, backbench MPs and peers um, of the House of Commons. So it's not an official group. Right. right. So it doesn't have any particular um, uh, way that it has to lean uh, when it comes to government policy or or business of the House of Commons. Um, they meet to discuss this issue and mm-hmm. to deal with this issue. So to to suggest that. Um, you know that this group is just set up to pacify people yeah or to keep them quiet or whatever yeah. is a misunderstanding and I'm, it's a shame that some people think that way hmm. um 
Well, I think it's important to clarify, and I'm sure, you know, uh, obviously today we're Facebooking it live, so there'll be many people, like, mm -hmm. and we encourage people, please do participate, join in with your comments, but I'm sure people have lots of questions around this, because, for instance, when the Prevent Agenda was created, um, many were arguing that this is something which is going to be in our benefit rather than something which is going to be a hindrance or, you know, people are going to be suspicious of, you know, the everyday Muslim. Um, have you had any kind of sceptical reactions to, um, because whenever anything's kind of attached to the government, there's a little bit of scepticism and a little bit of, as I say, um, people are just a little bit dubious about, you know, how uh, authentic this will be in terms of the real agenda and, you know, helping Muslims at large, mm. as I say, mm. dealing with the issue. Are, are there any are there any take home points today that you can tell me we've achieved this exactly. in the last few years? Exactly. Well, they're, they're all part of parliamentary group. Yeah. OK, I mean, there's there's several examples. Um, I mentioned uh, last week somebody that um, um, sort of towards the end of last year, after lobbying by um, the all-party parliamentary groups on both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, we had some meetings between uh, the police and the CPS and the, the and uh, uh, hate crime uh, uh, practitioners from the Home Office and all sorts, and they agreed at that meeting. So the police and the CPS agreed at that meeting that we would that they would work on a wider definition of anti-Muslim hate crime or hate crime generally, so that hate crime prosecutions, etc. Um, were accurate. So um, this was necessary at the time because um, um, there was a lot of distrust or lack of confidence in the criminal justice system. Mm. Um, you may remember there were cases where people who were um, uh, attacking people because they were Muslim were receiving racial hate crime prosecutions rather than religiously motivated hate crime yeah. prosecutions. And that wasn't giving confidence to people. Yeah. And that was yeah. because there was a disparity between the way um, that the police uh, investigated and charged it and then the difference in how the CPS then prosecuted so, it. But do you feel then uh, that things have changed? Because, I mean, we're just talking in the last week of the, for instance, the acid attacks which have occurred. And if you look at the interviews of the individuals there, they still feel very much, you know, uh, that they're... Um, their kind of stance on the attack is not being heard in regards yeah. to them saying, look, this was a blatant yeah. uh, racist kind of, you know, Islamophobic attack. There was no other reason for it, um, you know, and they felt like the police kind of, as I say, didn't take them seriously, kind of left them in limbo just, you know, to deal with themselves as opposed to, you know, when there's a terror attack, um, you know, the whole emergency services yeah. are there, the media are up in arms, you know, yeah. everyone's talking about it. Whereas this just seems like one lone crazy man who threw some acid. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, let's... It is uh, disappointing. I agree with you that it seems clear to me um, that this person attacked uh, these two people um, because... And this was the the uh, event that happened in uh, Newham with the, the, the young girl who's a model and her cousin. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Yeah. And so um, it seems very, very clear to me that they were attacked because either they were Muslim or minorities. Now, they didn't look visibly Muslim, so we don't really know that yet. Um, it seems... But why else do you think someone would just throw acid on the Asian Yeah, it seems, it seems, it seems, like I said, I totally agree. Uh, it, the motivations of the perpetrator most probably are uh, because of uh, anti-Muslim prejudice or it's a retaliation yeah. because of certain things yeah. that have happened recently yeah. by... Yeah. Muslim terrorists, yeah. right? However, at the same time, um, 
I mean, I guess if they were visibly Muslim, mm-hmm. that would be more obvious, and I yeah. don't think the police would have any okay, uh, worry let, let about me, that. Let me come in there, and I know this isn't on UK soil, but the, there was a mosque in France yesterday yes. um, where eight people were, were injured in a shooting by two hooded men, yep. gunmen. Yep. Uh, one of those injured was a seven-year-old, yep. but they're not treating it as terrorism. Now, I, I asked the question earlier... And I think, like, I genuinely need to understand mm. how we're defining these terms, how yeah. governments are defining these terms, and and what's what essentially. Because again, yeah. sorry to, to interject, sure. but just to add to it, because we know even from the Finsbury Park um, incident, the first reportings on it were not, um, you know, in the same light as that of Manchester or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was this random lone guy from Wales, you know, like he might have had mental issues. But again, there's all this kind of almost apologising for the situation before you actually get into the core of it. Yeah. And then retracting and say, actually, maybe it was, maybe it was. And, uh, sorry. One more point I want yeah, to make yeah. is that um, I, I've seen, for example, people are talking about how, you know, you can't declare something a terrorist incident mm. until you know and you have a suspect detained and likewise with the acid attack and the hate crime it wasn't declared a hate crime until they had the suspect and they could find out why yeah. he did it yeah but what you're then finding and i know this isn't your responsibility but i'm just i'm just you know adding to the discussion is then you have the media for example yeah who will instantly when it's a kind of you know quote-unquote muslim attack say oh yeah. a suspected terrorist attack yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. but yeah. they don't say that when it comes to the other way and, yeah. and there was something i read today as well about how when there's a Muslim that, that perpetrates something, an, an evil crime against humanity, it gets uh, five times more media coverage than when a non-Muslim does yeah. the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you saw this, uh, this was reported in The Independent today about yeah. a US study about uh, coverage of anti- uh, terrorist attacks. And, and that's what's worrying. And their so coverage I, in the media. I personally then feel that all of this like snowballs mm. yeah. and then impacts you know Joe Bloggs on the streets mm. who, yeah. who sees a normal Muslim, yeah. a lady wearing the hijab and thinks, yeah. oh, she's evil yeah. Yeah. because they all are. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I mean, there's so many points to discuss. Okay, in Hope the acid notes. attack case, <laughs> uh, I don't think I need to. I think I'll, I think I'll be all right. So in the acid attack case, um, the I mean, clearly, if the attacker had used words or a t- particular gesture that would have suggested an anti-Muslim prejudice. So if he says, you're Muslim so-and-so, it's during the attack. There'd be no question, I don't believe, in the police's assessment, mm-hmm. right? Uh, especially if the victims complained of that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the police, I mean, I have, I have faith in the Metropolitan Police. They do a good job when it comes to hate crime and terrorism and defining the two. And it always comes down to what looks like the motivation. So in my, in my view, if uh, if if uh, if Muslims are attacked and it becomes later clear that or it bec- or it's clear at any point that the attack is a retaliation for um, some acts that Muslims have done either here or abroad when it comes to the acts of Muslim terrorists, then that to me is terrorism because it's making a political point. The motivations are political, um, and it's almost the same, if not identical, to the motivations of a another terrorist, yeah. right? That's very, very clear to me. Um, I think in this case, it's just the police, uh, I think, rightfully are doing the right thing by being careful. Um, It's a very difficult time. They don't want to flare community tensions. And you can see also with the police, they do the right thing, if you like, by managing information and their uh, perceptions uh, and and how they share those that information about um, hate crime or terrorist incidents. Um, until they receive all the facts. Um, you saw the same, uh, for example, with um, the Westminster Bridge attack. Um, the police did not release information about the the attacker, his name, his identity or, or anything 
um, for a couple of days. And I think that was very sensible um, because then they got to the facts. And actually, um, you know, we saw a positive uh, tr uh, result in uh, hate crime reporting after that. For the first time, what after do you mean by that? so for a first time after the Westminster Bridge attacks, um, we didn't see a retaliation uh, so much uh, in the, on the same levels of anti-Muslim hate crime, you know, because normally the trend is two how, weeks how after. How can you how can you tell that though? So so it's a recording of hate crime. So right. it's a so I mean this is not going to be published for mm. say maybe eight months to a yeah, year because yeah. this is current yeah. data. Yeah. But at the time, working with uh, hate crime reporting organisations like Tell Mama or the True Vision or the police or whatever, mm. um, you can see that uh, because there hasn't been an increase in reporting of hate crime during yeah. the two weeks, yeah. then th there was a less compared to the same two-week period after other incidents. Right, right. And that the trend was generally okay, uh, in that way. But because, uh, because I had, um, for instance, read that you know, you've had 9-11, then you have 7-7, mm -hmm. and you have, for instance, the Lee Rigby attack, then you yeah. have the... And as these each each occur, like Salim said earlier, things start snowballing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. maybe it, it didn't instantaneously happen after, you know, the Westminster attack, but the mere fact that across the board, yeah. over the last 10, 15 years, each of these incidents and then the response of the government and media, in some ways I feel sorry for the police because they're caught in the middle. Mm. But for instance, I'll give you an example. We had Jack Straw back in the day saying that, um, you know, when uh, Muslim women used to come into the GP surgery, um, oh gosh, these women are so oppressed and they're not going to be able to integrate and they should take their hijabs mm. off because, you know, they're, um, you know, less of a, you know, a contributing member of the community. When you're hearing that from MPs and then people like, Gordon Brown back it up you know it suggests that first and foremost Muslims across the board are barbaric primitive backward oppressing uh, women all that kind of stuff yep. which then feeds into the idea that even the moderate Muslim empathizes with you know back home extremist views and fundamentalist ideas um, and this all kind of adds to the narrative then then when you have a lone attacker come along and commit this you know it's no longer just an individual it's uh, a representative representative of a bigger ideology and a bigger way of thinking um, for instance when they're claiming that you know in mosques all around the country we're purporting to our students that we should not um, mingle with the infidels and things like this you know a lot of these narratives you know people didn't know what was in the Quran previously you know all of a sudden everyone's a half it seems Tony yeah, yeah, yeah. Robinson's a half it <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like yeah no, no there is so there is uh, I but the government are fueling it feels especially when they give give platforms to people like Tommy Robinson to come on this morning or, you know, Piers Morgan. Okay, know. but that's not the government. We've got to be very clear who we're true, putting true, our, true, our, our true. criticism of. So um, I think when Jack Straw said this, I think he was... But, but the BBC uh, is attached to the government, yeah. right? Well, no, no, no. I mean, we've got a complete... I mean, oh, right, we're joking. I thought you were being serious for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, right, no, no, no. no. Yeah. Look, we've got to be very, very clear um, who we criticise and, and, and the phrases and terms we use. I'm not disagreeing with you uh, in one bit that there is a lot of ignorance about what uh, um, about Muslims, uh, who they are, what they believe, what they practice. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ignorance about Islam. MPs and parliamentarians and, and people who work at the civil service are not immune to ignorance of Islam or True. Muslims or any other minorities. True. They equally, um, you know, there's plenty of examples, unfortunately, still of, 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 of the latter who clearly don't understand uh, Islam and Muslims um, but 
to deal with okay so let's say with government and parliament to deal with those kind of misconceptions about islam and muslims and um, there's so many things that i think people can do about it ordinary muslims is you have to engage with the process yeah so um not everybody's an enemy not everybody's out to get us true i think we've got to accept that and in fact you've always got to remember there are so many more better uh or willing or uh, mps or bodies of government and parliament that are willing to listen we've right. got to engage right um now um so i guess you have to they have to interact with with mps and, and all the rest of it um in the same way when it comes to uh the narrative portrayed in the media about muslims again completely agree with you i can give you tons of facts and stats about how the media since post 9-11 has both become more and more negative about Muslims in different ways mm. and how uh, with findings from say research polls in the US, UK mm. and Europe how actually that has affected uh, the, the perception of the general public about Muslims yeah. uh, who also say that they get their views of Muslims from the media because they don't actually know any Muslims themselves and that's right. their only source right. so I totally accept that so there are so many things that we need to do also in challenging the media narrative is okay so when lies or, or inaccurate things are published or broadcast. Mm. You've got to. Com we've got to complain to Ofcom and Ipso. And there's a very and good brother who's doing work on that. McDonald's. He's doing yeah, a very yeah, good yeah, job, and yeah, yeah, he's doing a fantastic yeah. job on that. Um, but more people can do that. We yeah. can't just, you know, you can't just rely on me to be. Yeah. Because we've got so many, you can't just re be relying on Migdad or relying on another group that might be doing uh, anti-Muslim hate crime work. Mm. Because unfortunately, our challenge is so great. I think we've all got to actually come together and figure out, okay, I'm going to uh, volunteer to do X, Y, Z or get involved. Can I ask? Engage with the conversation. Um, yeah. How do we get to the place? Because the way I see it, um, is that when it comes to anti-Semitism, we saw the Labour Party had a had a, a crisis um, mm. last year or maybe the year before with anti-Semitism, and it was a huge row. It was very public, and and you know people had were, were made to resign and whatever else. How do we get to the stage where where our interests are protected the way anti-Semitism mm. is and, and the Jewish interests are? Because even when it comes to defining anti-Semitism. There was a definition which I, I can probably pull up from somewhere yeah. um, that that you know included Israel, for example, and and saying anything against Israel essentially being uh, anti-Semitic. Anti well, that's not what the definition says. Unfortunately, there are uh, a number of well, a small number of organisations who will say that uh, who but, will conflate the com uh, criticism of Israel with. Uh, but that was and that, that's wrong. I, I remember and, uh, seeing that there are a lot of Jewish organisations that say that's wrong. That was accepted as part of the definition of anti-Semitism. I think it was more the um, the, the um, comparisons of Israel with, say, Nazi Germany or things like that. I think it was more around those topics, All right. um, those kind of uh, uh, comparisons. Um, now, I think I think I. You know, I think the, the definition of anti-Semitism could, I think, uh, still be better. I still also think that we need a definition of Islamophobia, anti-Muslim hatred. Um, but on the, the definition, though, okay, it's very simple. I mean, this is my view, yeah. and this is the definition I work off. Yeah. It's really simple. Hatred, prejudice, or discrimination against Muslims and Islam is Islamophobia. Or Islamophobia is the same word for anti-Muslim hatred or anti-Muslim prejudice. Everybody understands it in, an, in a common sense term, yeah. but yes, it needs to be defined um, in a more solid way but, or, but or statutorily defining defined. Defining it is one thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. The, the whole statutory yeah. nature of it, because today there was the, the missing Muslims um, report. report that was published and, and the hashtag started trending in London and whatever else. 
clicked on the hashtag and on Twitter this is and I, and people were a lot of people were saying oh Muslims aren't victims they're not suffering anything whatever and and we're at a stage where people don't even acknowledge that yeah. Islamophobia is a thing yeah yeah but we we have to remember right. Those who, um, these are trolls on Twitter. And unfortunately, there are too many of them. And There's I know that. So many of them, man. <laughs> I, unfortunately, Type it in I know. YouTube, bro. They, they don't represent, videos. we've got to remember, they do not represent the views of the majority of the British public, thankfully. No, I'm however, not saying that. I'm not saying however, that, but... there are still too many mainstream voices who yeah. deny the existence of Islamophobia or anti-Muslim hatred, right? Whatever interchangeable word you want to use. Yeah. I mean, I think that the arguments that are given to deny Islamophobia are pretty weak and pathetic. Well, not to but, say, yeah. But, yeah. I don't think we're going to disagree on that, but <clears throat> um, we've got to remember that those who do don't represent the voice of the majority of the British public, um, and it's very clear to everyone, they can see that the levels of anti-Muslim hatred and hate crime and the, the nasty rhetoric on comments on social media feeds or um, at the bottom of an independent article but about Muslims. Look, for, for me... It's, it's obvious. The challenge isn't about whether we how we, um, whether we isolate ourselves from the rest of society or think that this is a, a view of the rest of society, it's how we challenge those who do it. And I think that's what we need to be doing more. What, what, are, we, what are we well. doing wrong then? Because let's take the example of Katie Hopkins at LBC. Yeah, yeah. She called uh, refugees cockroaches. She mm. said- She called Palestinians rodents, man. She, she, yeah. said, she said so many things about yeah. different groups, Muslims in particular. We need a final solution. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but, her, but, well, no, but the thing yeah. is, as soon as she mentioned the final solution, yeah. Yeah. which which obviously alluded to Nazi Germany and, and became offensive to ah, yeah, another yeah, group, yeah. Yeah. Um, suddenly we saw that she was axed, like within, you know, within days. I can't remember when how When it was just racial slurs against but Arabs I, 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 I'm not. I'm not saying... Yeah, I, no, what I, I agree with you. What you're saying is all of the other things she said were still acceptable to people. Yeah. And that was not acceptable to us. But no, but, but how but much institutionally? I, yeah. Institutionally, there came a cut-off point, and that cut-off point was not with oh yeah, insulting 1.4 billion Muslims around the world. It's, it it was another group, and and the second we we jumped there, suddenly it was like okay, you you've gone too far. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I I, I thought that it you was can her disagree. Words on, you can disagree I, on. No, that. no, no. I I don't disagree with you. What I'm suggesting is I think that uh, my understanding was is that she was sacked because of her final solution tweet, which was aimed at Muslims. It was aimed at Muslims, but it was it was a very short. So I had I had Jewish friends of mine on yeah. Facebook yeah. that were writing about how they were reduced to tears at reading that because it, it brought back horrible memories of what their grandparents had to suffer. Oh, I see what you're saying. You don't right. so, because so, there was an element the of connotation relevant to the Holocaust. Yeah. Exactly, and, and it stoked up a lot of um, yeah. a lot of very unsavory memories mm -hmm. for for Jewish people and yeah. you know, what their families and, and ancestors have suffered. Yeah. And, and the problem is that when, when we're looking at Muslims and we're talking about, for example, Ailan Kurdi, the, the, um, the, the, the baby refugee, the baby refugee mm. from Turkey, yep. um, that's fine. That's fair game. You can say what you want. You can be as offensive as you want. People, you know, we're talking about people that have lost their lives here. But to call for genocide. To, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. But I, I know the point that you're making. I think I think it was terrible that everything else that she said that was clearly unacceptable still was acceptable to yeah. other people. Why? Yeah, she should have gone a long time ago. I don't disagree. I, with I you. don't think anyone does. I but... think I think I think what it is is the next time that happens, we as a community, uh, both with uh, within our communities and um, with the voices within our communities, as well as those of other communities, we actually need to come together to make a lot more noise about it. 
So I'm um, to say this is uh, you know make a fuss about it. It's mm. unacceptable when yeah. somebody well, says things is, like. Well, the question is then: is the is the onus on us then? Is the responsibility on us then? No, it, I agree with you. It's a shame we shouldn't have to. Others should do that for us first. Because it's totally the same agree. way, like you know, when an attack happens, we're yeah. told that we need to come out and denounce yeah. any association and you know all that kind of stuff and say that we care for the you know the victims. It's like. As if we're inhumane, as if we are, you know, living outside of the rest of society, whereby we wouldn't empathise, we wouldn't feel for these people, whereby we would in some ways empathise with the attacker. Why is that even a thought in the mind no, I, of people? I think, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it, and I'll tell you why. Because, um, so I, I'm one of, the, one of the, the Muslims who often does condemn attacks. That's I, oh, and, and I don't. I'm one of those, unfortunately, right? <laughs> I, have written, I have actually written about your attack, but I'm sure no, you've no, read no. it. As and, well. and I have read it. And I tell you what, I think I think um, um, there's 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 a perception problem there. I don't condemn terrorism done in the name of my religion because I feel guilty or because I'm apologising. I condemn it because it's disgusting and I reject it. And I would also condemn and reject violent crime done by anybody else. But have you? Yeah, plenty of times. I mean, no, okay, what? maybe not to the same uh, effect. And have but you been called you, upon? But let to... me tell you. But no, no, no. See, if somebody said to me, "Oh, you've got to because you're a Muslim," I'd give them my two. You know, mm. I'd give them mm. my mind. But do we not I'm... hear that all the time? No, no. Unfortunately, we do. But that's not why I condemn. Right. Okay. Right. I condemn because for that for those two reasons. But also, unfortunately, there are some sections of our society that are so ignorant about Islam and Muslims that they need to hear that. Now, I know that that puts an unfair burden on us as Muslims, mm. right? But at the same time, it goes to our credit, I believe, as, an, as, as a group, as a community, that we come out and condemn horrible, violent crimes. Now, and I'm not saying this to compare what we do to what other communities don't do, but it would be nice to hear more of other communities condemning Things so again, I just think that's something that the, our community is leading on. We don't do it because people ask us. Okay, but we do it because we're abhorred by it. So on that one note, yeah, and then yeah. there is a question actually online which I want to which yeah, I want to yeah, put sure. to you, and obviously you know, yeah. we can jump in. Um, so when when the uh, attack happened in Manchester, yeah, um, you know, a lot of organisations came together, drafted a statement, um, yeah, and yeah. and they all kind of signed it. There were two organisations, Empac um, UK and Five Pillars, that were not a part of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Sun did a piece on those two organisations, basically saying, "Oh, look, these guys didn't condemn it." Yeah, and I think that's unfair. No, no but but this is the climate that we create when yeah. when everyone starts to condemn. This is the climate <laughs> we create. No, no, I, I think I, I'll give yeah. you a chance to, to reply. Okay, but I'll also put one more question to you. So from uh, Raja Kashif, who says, "Is Islamophobia not a hidden agenda of some media outlets?" And I think I want to expand on that and also ask that you know, mm. do you feel both of you? That it is it a is it a, the case that Islamophobia sells right now? Is that why it's there oh, like in, in, in the Daily Mail and the Sun? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a secret. That negative news sells newspapers. That's why tabloid newspapers sensationalize so much. And unfortunately, so right now we're the we dish are, of the day. We yeah, we are the dish of the day. That's exactly right. And um, I, you know, I, if you can call it an agenda, I would just say, well, yeah, it's sensationalism to sell newspapers, but also. Um, there is an ignorance of the way Muslims are portrayed. Some organisations do it intentionally, 
Um, some organisations just sensationalise for the sake of. Well, well, let's take it global. But because, there's a, yeah. Because I was going to say, for instance, I, I used to uh, a while ago. So forgive me. I used to, you know, for alternative news and interest, I used to listen to a, a gentleman in America called Alex Jones, right? Um, <laughs> oh dear. You know, Infowars. <laughs> we're, we're both judging right? you right now. <laughs> yeah, please do, bro. Because when I first heard him, it was just around, you know, facts around nine eleven or whatever, or his anti-establishment. Or his anti-establishment sentiments right now if you look at the agenda and where he's going first and foremost he's funded to the hills it seems secondly there's all sorts of uk reporters associated with infowars coming out thirdly tommy robson seems to be his regular guest like he's on speed dial um fourthly it seems like as i say they are now literally making statements which are so outlandish about Muslims. And because people see them as alternative news, it's like, you got the inside scoop, bro. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I worry that these kind of like truth-seeking kind of, but at the same time, layman people who don't actually research for themselves and get second-hand passive knowledge, they're going, really? 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 Yeah, and that, that to me just shows how much more, unfortunately, we as a community need to do to challenge this. Especially when the common Muslim can't even defend his own faith when asked questions. And this is why I go back to the idea that these non-Muslims are cherry-picking certain ayats from the Quran, but they know them so well now that, as I say, when you challenge uh, a common Muslim, for instance, the other day I heard someone say, you know, you follow a prophet who um, used to advocate, you know, sleeping with underage girls, you know, paedophiles, basically. Yeah. Um, um, how do you respond to something like that? Yeah, you know? I mean, look. How do you respond are... to the idea that we yeah. uh, agree to stone people to death if they're homosexuals? All these extreme views. And then you've got, sorry, reformers, you know, Reformation Muslims like, I don't know, um, uh, what's their name? Manji, uh, Irshad Manji. Ayan Hosi Ali. You'll get defectors like yeah, uh, Ali Rizvi um, from a Khoja community who gets called in Joe Rogan, which is one of the biggest podcasts in the US, to talk about how Muslims are crazy. And we believe in fables and myths. And no wonder we are such a barbaric group of people. So like you say, yep. I'm kind of agreeing with you in a way, though, that what are we doing as a Muslim community? Firstly, to educate the mainstream yeah. Yeah. secondly to dispel these crazy thoughts and ideas thirdly to show that islam is multiplicit in its interpretational sphere just like any other faith system or ideology all these kind of things where are the people who are kind of like as i say you know uh, pushing that boat and uh, as i say kind of almost um opposing these people in a way yeah well i think there's more we can do um, we have an incredibly, I believe, uh, in this country, we have so many uh, articulate, intelligent young Muslims. I mean, look at how many Muslim kids uh, go to university just in London, right? So many of us, yeah. right? How many of us are putting our skills um, back into supporting our community? Um, I think we can do more. I think we as a community can promote more of those voices in our community to represent uh, our views and voices right. um, rather than unfortunately you know some common Muslim being picked on by rebel media mm -hmm. right in yeah, some yeah, yeah. Uh, you know being ambushed with some really difficult questions yeah. who isn't an expert on theology mm -hmm. uh, you know um, and then and then it just it just looks really bad right mm -hmm. but unfortunately that's because these kind of people have this very targeted campaign and that's that's what they're aiming for 
but we need to respond to that uh, we need to do more to educate uh, like I said and I think that we can do that by just interacting with people right. it can be simple I know it sounds a bit flowery mm-hmm. it can be simple as doing interfaith events which we are leading on as a community quite a lot these days um, it can be uh, inviting your neighbor to share Ramadan with you it mm-hmm. can be um, uh, you know or as a Muslim go to church on a Sunday and, and, and just you know uh, and break I think the mold these a bit, are excellent right? sentiments speak to, speak to people excellent sentiments yeah right however at the same time you have that on the one side right and then you have 1,200 uh, Saudi-funded uh, mosques, right? Where you have plenty of literature, yeah. which again, as I say, you know, dispatches sent someone undercover into Regent's Park Mosque, where I was astonished at what they were teaching. You know, one day they're holding an interfaith um, group. Next day, you know, they're in a room full of women telling these young girls that, um, you know, in the Quran, you know, we should kill the infidel. All right, we live in the English law system, so don't. But, you know, ideally, we agree with Allah's laws and Sharia law and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And this real black and white dogmatic, you know, um, kind of teaching, which, again, is backed up not by Quranic evidence, but mainly Hadith, Hadith, which not everyone agrees on necessarily, like Ibn Taymiyyah. I'll never, ever agree on that, brother. Um, And, you know, it's stuff like that. So, again, the question is, because I've been attacked for saying this, but I'm going to say it. Do certain sects of Islam need to be called out? Um, well, I'm not an expert on theology. I haven't studied theology. I haven't looked at different sect, sects and, and their more conservative or liberal sides of each of those sects. There are clearly some uh, groups within certain sects, uh, more so than others, that are intolerant and quite hardline. And if you like something I heard recently, more conservative than the Sahabas, right? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, and I think that was on the Muslim Vibe well, uh, show. I just, I, I just remember Norman that. Ali Khan. Yeah, more yeah. liberal than the liberals, yeah, more yeah, conservative yeah, yeah, right? than the Sahaba. Now... I like that. Yes, unfortunately, like yeah, I like that. I, I did actually like that. It was really good. And it's true, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, however, I think there are so many simplistic ways in which people approach this. So when, for example, a news organisation in the UK wants to say, oh, we've got too many Saudi-funded mosques, that in of, in of itself isn't a problem in true. my eyes. True, true, true. Right? So what? Okay, it's a Saudi-funded mosque. Yeah, that doesn't mean that they're all hate-intolerant, yeah, yeah, yeah. hate-preaching yeah. Yeah. imams inside. The problem isn't... Um, who supports the mosque where it comes from the problem is how um, they are recruiting the people who are supposed to be qualified to teach the Quran and things like this now Mm -hmm. they need to regulate better Mm -hmm. and if they don't regulate better the government is going to start telling mosques and institutions and madrasas and all the rest of it to do it the way that the government wants to and we already know the government doesn't always understand Muslims or Islam very well so those kind of mosques have to get their act together and I think there was a, a call uh, in the report from the Commission on Islam mm. today saying that there needs to be some f- kind of voluntary code of practice or good good uh, 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 a framework of good practice yeah, yeah. in how the, the, mosques can do this. And I think that we need to work on that ourselves as a community before somebody else tells us how to do it. I thought one of the interesting points from that report as well, and I think we should probably even talk about that at length yeah. at some point, yeah. um, was about having English-speaking imams yeah. um, who have a good command, or, or sort of British-born imams yeah. who have a good command of the English language. Yeah. Now, whilst I don't know the reasoning behind that, and I haven't actually read too much into it, I think 
you know, fundamentally as sort of second, third, fourth generation immigrants, it's important that we do have people that understand the sort of Western Muslim context. Yeah. Because often you have sort of imams from, let's say, back home mm-hmm. yeah. coming over and they don't quite get it. Yeah. So like with the younger generation, they don't know what it's like to grow up here. And I think that's so important. Yep. And I think those are the kinds of steps we do need to be taking um, within well, our senses. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. There was a sister who she worked in a hospital um, and she was speaking to um, a female kind of alima, right? Um, I won't name the mosque again. Uh, but the point being is that she was being chastised for doing her job. Yep. Because first, do you mix with men? Oh, you can't work there. Uh, do they allow you to wear jilbab while you're working? No, I've got to wear, you know, like a, you know, surgical or, you know, medical. Oh, I can't do that, you know. And it's like literally, as I say, they're forcing their views upon people in such a way that it makes them feel guilty for actually contributing to society working in a health you know yeah, yeah. you know like it's the most islamic thing you could do but again when we go back to recruitment education where are these teachers coming from what are they backing their you know ideas up with you know why is that um relevant because the point being is that then you know people who are attacking Islam use these people and say yeah. it's your own books, your own books. Yeah, um, they become so, useful idiots for for Islamophobes. And this is um, my or, or, or or free gifts to Islamophobes. Yeah. So, see, this is an example of exactly. Now, uh, I would just take a more common sense approach. They are just intolerant people who impose their views on others. Right. Right. You get atheists who are intolerant and yeah. impose their views on others. There's a lot of them. You get Christians who are intolerant, who mm. are Sikhs or whoever. Mm. It's not because they're Muslim. Yeah. It's a problem of their mentality and the fact that they are intolerant people who don't accept somebody else's point of view. So, when, or, when, so, so, so what it is, is we can't be promoting people within our communities who are intolerant of others mm. or imposing of their views. Because my view is that anybody can have a, uh, a conservative upbringing and view and there's nothing wrong with that mm. they'd be wrong in imposing on somebody else if they're you know yeah yeah, yeah. i've got no right to tell you why you're not wearing a torpy mm. brother mm-hmm. you know where are your sandals where's your jewel bow mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's not my point mm. i can wear it mm. i have to accept that you don't want to but some mud hubs it's almost like you know it's key to their you know idea of being a muslim that they have to go and purport it it's the dawah you know like it's, you have to go and tell somebody when they're doing wrong it's the idea of amr bil ma'ruf and nahi anil munkar to my mind going absolutely crazy you know yeah. because it no, doesn't no, no. follow and the I, conditions yeah and of I, and how I don't to think, implement yeah and I, I think i think we misunderstand and misrepresent what dawah is people don't unfortunately there are people who do dawah badly hmm. right um but what's the main intention for somebody doing dawah is they're doing dawah because they believe that they're sharing information that they feel that is helpful to them and is going to help them ultimately. They're doing it with a good intention. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are some people who are very bad at doing it mm-hmm. or they do it in such a way that someone who isn't the Muslim comes across them and thinks, wow, who's this crazy person? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it gives the wrong impression. Um, you know, uh, I just think we need to understand ourselves or maybe that's something else that we need to look at. How do Muslims do dawah to people who don't understand Islam? You get, it, do we need to look at how yeah. Muslims do that themselves? You get a lot of radical themselves? Christian preachers, but you, yeah, never think, you, you never think that person is going to necessarily yeah. next jump to being yeah. a terrorist. Yeah. Whereas that's what's being yeah. conflated. But that, that's also, the, the, the distinctions also need to be clearly made for the general public to hear those distinctions. Yeah, The general public in this country who understand what Christianity is, mm. can already understand the difference between, say, um, 
a crazy evangelical anti-Muslim pastor in the US yeah. to normal mainstream Christian belief and practice. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's a blurred line for that for the same people when they see conservative preaching Dawa mans in uh, in Islam and in South Hall. I'm not. I'm, I, that was just a that was just a phrase. I'm not picking okay, out okay, on anyone. But yeah, okay. Specific. Okay, sorry, but, sorry, but sorry. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. They can't distinguish between the conservative, crazy, evangelical type okay, so, so, okay, so, to Mormon Islam. And that's because of their ignorance or because we are not, not engaging doing enough. maybe enough. Okay, I'm weary of time. Mm. And I think on that note, mm. um, can you give us, I guess, just you know, from your experience, from the work that you're doing, yeah. a couple of takeaway points in terms of, you know, I guess just you know what you're doing to combat Islamophobia. Cause, yeah, because like, I mean, I, okay, yeah, wrap yeah. it up basically. Yeah. Okay, I'm, we're not going to interrupt you. No, fine. Unless you go on for too long. <laughs> um, but but just take a few minutes. Say what you got to say. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I, I want to hear it. Well, okay. One thing I'll say in the beginning is a lot of people ask questions to me as if I represent the voice of the government, or they say to me, "Why are the government not doing X or Z?" I'm not the government. So, so to clear that perception, um, yeah, so, so unfortunately, because then people will question me as if, you know, uh, why are you doing this or why are you not allowing yeah, this yeah. to happen or etc. I'm on the same side as you. Mm -hmm. I'm challenging the government, lobbying the government ministers, etc. So essentially what I do is I, um, in tackling Islamophobia, I, like I said in the beginning, bring policymakers in the same conversations with the academics, the hate crime practitioners, and all the data that's relevant, with the police present and uh, 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 and elsewhere. Then, with that information, we would then maybe write to ministers or change makers, policymakers, or wider society, saying, right, we need to do X, Y, Z. Or sometimes it can be with Facebook, Twitter, and um, Google, Google, right? So we've had meetings with the social media companies to, to tell them. Here's the data, you're not doing enough. We've had those conversations. So it's not just with government, it's also with wider society. So also in my role, I have then uh, advised and worked with the CPS on their... Um, CPS? Their Crown Prosecution Service. Okay. On helping them to redraft their social media prosecutor's guidance on social media hate crime cases. Or um, uh, advising them on their... Um, how they deal with racial and religious hate crime generally, and then my focus is on anti-Muslim hatred. Uh, similarly, I will work with, um, or have in the past, uh, had conversations with the uh, national leads on hate crime in Northern Ireland and in the UK, the police leads on hate crime. You know, so it's about having these conversations. Yes, unfortunately, we are not where we want to be. Um, um, but this conversation has to keep going. Um, I need the support of people and, you know, my community and my friends to say, yeah, OK, we need to get behind this kind of work more of us need to be doing this kind of work and we need to be doing it together um and the more that we do this the more our voice would be heard uh, uh and uh you know we need to sort of be having those conversations but essentially i'm having those conversations with ministers their staff policy makers police practitioners uh, uh lawyers and prosecutors etc but at the moment i'm just having these conversations um either by myself or with members of parliament uh, and it's behind closed doors. So uh, I'm assuming you do want people to get involved and, and to. Yep. So how can I'm people, always welcome how, how can people how can do that? Okay. Um, you're going to tag me on Facebook yeah. or Twitter or both. So if anybody would like to get in touch with me on there, um, send me a private message um, or get in touch with you and then forward me the, yeah. their details. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to take some work forward later this year. 
Um, um, and uh, I would very much welcome uh, the work and support and of, of, of others in doing so. Because I think that we have a large, large challenge um, arranging from, uh, you know, challenging the media to improving policing to um, how we lobby for changes in legislation on recognising anti-Muslim hatred or Islamophobia, etc., uh, etc. Et because, unfortunately, it's too much for, you know, a small number of organisations and people to do. So, yes, mm. welcome it. Are you done? I am done. Sorry. Okay. No, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, look, we know that this is a, a large subject and we could talk about it forever. Yeah. The bottom line is we didn't want to seem as if we're, you know... I think we were venting a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. and that's it, fine. It, it was, we were talking at you, not... I, I, exactly. No, no, no. And you know what? <laughs> like, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I get that a lot, right? So I think I've become, like, good at... You've got like, a thick uh, skin now. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, in this line of work, <laughs> doing it for, like, nearly five years, right? You've got to have a thick skin because, yeah. you know, you also get loads of trolls on Twitter and Facebook. Of course. So um, you've got to learn well, how no, to do yeah, that too. Exactly, this is the point, you know. Like, whilst, you know, we have a lot of concerns and we're venting, you know, um, things that we've discussed with many people you know leading up to this discussion itself um at the same time that like Salim said it's good to hear that there are things going on whether behind the scenes or openly but the point being is something is occurring because yeah. until now it felt like who are the advisors to the government because they clearly aren't you know educated muslims um and secondly <laughs> well, um, we're all government studies well yeah i mean um, <laughs> which is so unfair, <laughs> so unfair right i mean uh, you you know that is what i yeah i know uh, at least you were honest enough to tell me right but i don't mind that right as long but, you know, as I have many people have this yeah, many yeah. people have this perception because of their lack of trust for the government and yeah. anybody who starts working with them when they see like them falling in line or making changes in their yeah. own views, they feel like, ah, they've sold out, they've sold out. I've heard yeah. it so many times and you're right, it's not completely fair. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you weren't doing this work, who would be? Um, and therefore we would be even in, in a worse situation. Yeah. Um, so now I commend you uh, totally for the work you're doing. I suppose the questions that we ask is that, you know, first and foremost, like we said, you know, who is responsible for this Islamophobia? We can't always point the finger at them, but at the same time, a lot of fingers are getting pointed at us. Are we culpable? Are we responsible? Are we not educating um, enough of our people in that, you know, we have more kind of philosophical in, you know, um, open thinking, free thinking mm. Muslims rather mm. than, as I said, you know, dogmatic, you know, um, stringent, you know, um, kind of like bigots, you know, or whatever you want to call them. The point being is that, as I say, are we responsible? Or is the responsibility, as we had said earlier, you know, it's the media, it's them out there, it's the other. I'm glad you asked me this question because I wanted to make that clarification. It's not my view that we as a community are responsible. We are not the uh, engineers of our own demise, if you like. Absolutely not. My own, just the difference in my approach is we can only change things if we engage with it. That's simply it. So there are loads of things that the wider society does or there are so many things unacceptable about Muslims or said about Muslims amongst wider society. They're acceptable. I'm not denying that. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's what I'm working towards. Especially when you hear, like, you know, an MP in the EU yeah. Parliament saying that, you know, multiculturalism has failed. And that's an example yeah. given by Muslims in the UK. Yeah, we, I mean, that's it's completely scary. But at the same time, While we, can't just, march is going on. we yeah. can't just sit back and just get annoyed it. and wound up yeah. about it and send a few tweets about it. Mm. We've got to engage with that process. Yeah in much stronger terms as a community or as collective voice of individuals. Um, but also at the same time, I also do tell people 
who I speak with, mm. but you've also got that they also have to accept that dissent is also a form of engagement. Right, 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 and that um, the views of Muslims and or their lack of confidence in either government or agencies and departments of government or the policing or criminal justice system is unfortunately because they felt or feel um, that they um, are that that not enough is being done hmm. that should also be taken to an account okay. I, I completely reject this idea that oh everybody's just playing the victim mentality mm, mm. anti-muslim hatred and prejudice and sentiment is a reality Definitely. so i would say that my view yeah. is actually very square in the middle okay interesting. slim any closing thoughts bro I, i'm i'm just happy to see you again right? yeah oh <laughs> now you like me yeah. now, I like now you like me okay cool <laughs> no it, it, it's interesting i think even the, the first time that we met for me, it's always a case of I know that people are doing things that, you know, personally the way I I see them. Yeah. I think I, you already know what I'm thinking, but you know, like, I, I, know I always think, think like, oh, why is that guy do, like, why do that? Yeah. But when we had that the first conversation, it's just important for myself to kind of understand and and yeah, you know, I guess understand your perspective and, and yeah. what you're trying to do. And, and I think fundamentally, and, it, and it, it always comes down to the same thing for me. I think I told you this the first time we met that everyone, as long as people have the right intention and yeah. people want to do good, yeah. we'll, we're, we're inevitably going to do things in a different way. Yeah. So, you, you know, you see this as the best way of you doing this. Us with the Muslim vibe, that's our sort of platform to kind of raise the alarm about Islamophobia and counter the yeah. narrative. Yeah. And as long as we all kind of work together and come together at some point, even if it's just around a table with a microphone to discuss, yeah. at least then we can... I guess build up that respect for each other and, and yeah. learn to work together. Yeah. So I mean, thanks for coming in. No, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity. I hope I hope it wasn't too. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Look, like I said, as long as somebody hears my point of view and. I think no, no, we're listening. So. We're listening. No. We're not agreeing. Well, that's but what we're I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh, that's right. This conversation and dialogue is a good thing. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame we've got to end it there, but I believe, you know, Salah time has already come as well. And uh, yeah, as I say, we could uh, chew your ear off about this forever. We would lock you in this room now. Let's do it again. Yeah, well, let's do it again because the point being is, as we said, you know, things have escalated and snowballed over time. So let's see the next time uh, whether things go the opposite way now due yep. to you know uh, the mass awareness and you know more voices and people lobbying and working together yep absolutely See? well thank you very much uh Ayan for for joining us and slim as always for facilitating the wonderful <laughs> podcast <laughs> i've been your boy and i kanji this has been the muslim vibe podcast assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh peace and love